2 Kings chapter 6, and uh, let's look in the scriptures here together. Let's start in verse 8. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 8. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there, not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of, which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. That's pretty creepy, amen. <laughs> it's not creepy, but the reality is, is that's exactly what happened. If you're catching the story on the quick here, the king of Syria is absolutely bothered because Israel's figuring out what his plan of attack is. And he thought he had some internal spy that was giving the king of Israel the plans. But uh, somebody knew well enough to know, no, what you're saying in secret, uh, God is telling the man of God. And that's, that's pretty amazing. And verse 13, and he said, go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city both of, with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And verse 16 is our text tonight. And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And this is the message tonight, church. Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. That's not an exaggeration. That's not a fabrication. The reality is, humanly speaking, there was a lot more of the enemy than there was Elisha and his servant. Humanly speaking. Elisha wasn't exaggerating. He wasn't fake it till you make it. Elisha was a realist also because he saw things through God's eyes, if you please. He saw things the way God wanted things to be seen. And that's what happens when you live by faith and not by fear. Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And I, I, I find myself recognizing that we, if we're not careful, we become so overwhelmed with the condition of our nation. Yeah, it is what it is. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not, it, it, I don't know whether it's worse or better than what I think it is, but... Uh, being a realist, we are very concerned with the condition of our nation, of the world. Are we gaining ground or losing ground? Uh, we're probably losing ground as far as uh, the fact that there's more of a population and are we reaching them? But, but, but when you look at things through the eyes of faith, then it really helps you with your confidence to know and do the will of God. Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Let's pray and we'll get into the message. Father, we do thank you. Lord, I thank you for the privilege to be here. I'm honored to stand behind this pulpit. Thank you, Lord, for this church. It's goodly heritage. It's, it's, it's a citadel here in New England for sure. And the folks in this church may not think it's so or may not know that it's that significant. But, Lord, as I've traveled all over, Lord, I've known of this church and Pastor Shad and his testimony of faithfulness, of preaching the word, a church that has continued the mission and, uh, Lord, and I believe will continue the same. Thank you, Lord, so much for bringing the Schnurrs back Lord, here to New England for such a time as this, and how I love them, Lord, and dear friend, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in their lives, and 
And then Brother Daniel, him coming back, and Lord, just it, it excites me and encourages me, Lord. And, and then, Lord, there's a people here that have continued the mission. They've not, they've not, um, uh, they've not uh, dipped their sails, Lord. They are continuing the mission, and I thank you for that. And so, Lord, we pray you'd speak to our hearts now these few moments, and thank you for these and their faithfulness tonight. Maybe some, if there's live stream, that they can't be here that are watching, that they will be helped and encouraged also. And uh, we do thank you and praise you for the privilege to be in your house tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Listener, is there a live stream? Are we live streaming? Okay, all right. I will tell you this. We did uh, live stream the Providence Gospel Crusade. And um, Friday night of the Gospel Crusade, we had 10 people uh, saved, I think, that night or something like that. It was, I don't remember the exact, I think it was about 10 people that got saved. But then I got a text message about 11 o'clock that night from a man who was watching the service from their living room, and his son, uh, Friday night's message was, Jesus said, I am the door. And his son, at the invitation of our service, said to his dad, I want to go through the door and be saved. And his dad wanted him to Christ. And his dad texted me about 11 o'clock that night, and that, it already capped off a great week. It just got capped off gooder and gooder, amen? And uh, so praise the Lord for that. But so we're back in the text here, and we have a, a, an amazing story. Elisha and his servant are really caught in a sticky wicket, if you please. They're surrounded by the enemy. Um, if you know a little bit about the story, there's, there's a time of great famine. It's hard times. And um, we already read a little bit of it, just the dynamic of, of uh, the king of Syria trying to figure out how, how the uh, Israelites were, were knowing his strategy and uh, very moved by that. And then Elisha, they, they find out where Elisha and the servant are, and they're surrounded by the enemy. It kind of reminds me of another Bible story. How many of you have heard of this Bible, these Bible characters, Lone Ranger and Tonto? I don't have my glasses on, so I can't see. Okay, they're not Bible characters, all right? Lone Ranger and Tonto were on one of their escapades, right? And uh, they're out somewhere. You probably heard this story before, so just laugh, or I'll just extend the sermon another 15 minutes. And, uh, but, and uh, they're on one of their escapades, and and uh, before you know it, I mean, just like that, they're surrounded by Indians. I mean, they're just all around them. And the Lone Ranger, Lone Ranger said to Tonto, he said, what are, what, what are we going to do? And Tonto said, what you mean we, white man? <laughs> Some of you will get that about a year from now. And uh, now you're still not getting it, okay? Laugh, act like it. Anyway, uh, okay, I'll stick to the sermon. And I teach a homiletics class in the Bible Institute, and I tell them that's why I avoid using jokes. I do not write jokes in my sermons because they never work for me, right? But... That's kind of similar, except they weren't Bible characters, Lone Ranger and Tonto. That's kind of similar to what happened here to Elisha and his servant. They're surrounded by the enemy, and the servant said, Master, how, how shall we do? What are we going to do? And Elisha said, Fear not. The servant rubbed his eyes a little bit, and he said, What you talking about? He didn't say, What you mean, we, white man? He said, What are you talking about? I, I don't get it. And uh, we're in big trouble, pal. I mean, this is not looking good. And look at the next verse in verse 17, and we'll get into the message here. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. <laughs> the man of God saw something that the servant didn't see. But then he shared it with them, and by faith, the servant recognized a miracle story in the Old Testament of the fact that God's, uh, God's angels, if you please, uh, were there to protect Elisha. And really is an amazing story. But it really starts out in verse 16 with 
with a very, one of the most oft-repeated commands in God's word is these two words, fear not. Now, I, I really want to say this, and, and um, I don't want to go this route very long here unless the Lord would lead us to do so, but, you know, there are some people that really don't battle with fears because they really don't go forward in the battle. And that's not the message tonight, and I'm not here to, I'm not, I'm not putting a pastoral hat on here, but, but I would say to you there's some people that, that they never have to be concerned with fears because they never take any steps of faith. And I'm, I'm not signing condescending here or assuming that you might be like that, but that is a reality. Hey, you don't have to worry about fears if you don't ever step out by faith. But the tragedy is it's worse for us not to step out by faith. So when stepping out by faith, though, we find that many times we are challenged with fears. We're going to take a little journey through the Bible for a few minutes. Again, it's, we're not going to go to all 365 of them, but it's one of the most oft-repeated commands in all of God's Word. Why is that? Because God's people have a problem with fears. Now, I'm not here to tell you you've got something you don't have, but if it's all through the Bible, it's the most oft-repeated command, then probably it's a common problem for God's people, right? Genesis chapter 15 and verse 1, Fear not, Abram. For I am thy shield and exceeding great reward. Abraham, fear not. Genesis 21, 17. God came to Hagar, fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Genesis 26, 24. God came to Isaac, fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee. Genesis 35, 17. God came to Rachel, fear not, thou shalt have this son also. Genesis 46 and verse 3. God came to Jacob and said, fear not. Genesis 50 and verse 19, this is Joseph speaking to his brothers, fear not. Exodus 14 and verse 13, Moses said unto the people, fear ye not. Exodus 20 and verse 20, Moses said unto the people, fear not. Go to Numbers chapter 14 and verse 9. We're not looking at every reference, okay? But it, it would be a good study. Go to Numbers chapter 14. I get you to look at a few of these as we go along here. Two simple words. But yet so, nothing brings spiritual paralysis to faith more than fear. Nothing. I don't believe anything does more than fear. Numbers 14 and verse 9. And the Bible says, Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the Lamb, for they are bred for us. They are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Numbers 21 and verse 34. Fear him not, Og, king of Bashan. Deuteronomy 1.21, fear not, neither be discouraged. Deuteronomy 3.2, fear not. Deuteronomy 3.22, ye shall not fear them. Deuteronomy 20 and verse 3, fear not and do not tremble. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 31, please, if you would. Deuteronomy chapter 31. A little bit of Bible aerobics tonight, amen? Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verses 6 and 8. You know these verses, familiar verses about don't fear, neither be dismayed. Deuteronomy 31, verses 6 and 8. Be strong and of, a good, and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Verse 8, and the Lord, he it is that go, doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Now again, can I say to you, before we journey on and look at a few more verses, that again, this is something that will we, we'll hit every one of us as we ask God to challenge us and increase our faith. And I'm not preaching on this uh, tonight, but one of the necessary ingredients for your to have, you to have increased faith is trials. James chapter 1. 
Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, and let patience have her perfect work. Your faith cannot grow without God giving you trials. And your trials can cause you to fear. How many of you understand that? We all are challenged with that. You say, I don't know about that. Well, when you get that doctor's visit and they say, you've got this situation, that's very real. I have a preacher friend in Canada, Brother Ben Turner, who has just, is having, going through very serious cancer right now. Pastor R.B. Willette just had his voice box removed. Faithful man of God. He'll, he'll never speak, be able to speak again the rest of his life. But he's not let that stop him from finding ways through texting and through writing to witness to people. He just had his surgery like two weeks ago, not even a week and a half ago. Brother R.B. Willette, faithful man of God. And you know, those are raw illustrations. Those are big illustrations. But again, do you understand? If you want God to increase your faith, which I believe you do, if we want God to increase our faith, one of the most necessary ingredients, out there's two major ingredients for increased faith, truth and trials. There's other ingredients too, but those are the two major ones, truth. uh, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? Word of God. And again, James chapter 1, knowing this at the trying of your faith, worketh patience. And let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. We want God to increase our faith. One of those ways is trials. But what also comes with trials is fears. When we were setting out for the Providence Gospel Crusade, my son said to me, he said, Dad, my son does our graphic design for us. One of them, a couple of my kids do all this kind of techie stuff that I don't know how to do. If I did it, we'd just use crayons, amen? We'd just write it on one and do about 40,000 of them so I have carpal tunnel 10 times over of my hand, right? And, but uh, he said, Dad, do not put your phone number on there. And I said, son, we have to have contact information on there. He said, Dad, I'm telling you, you put 40,000 cards out with your phone number, you're going to get a lot of phone calls. And I knew that was coming. I said, we have to, I have to put my phone number on there. He said, Dad, I'm telling you, don't do it. He said, I'm, then I said, I'm going to put your mother's phone number on there. Every time I say that in churches, they laugh at me. My wife's sitting over here throwing rocks at me, amen. And uh, he, he didn't laugh, but I didn't put her phone number on there. I put my phone number on there, right? But well, yeah, I got the phone calls. I got the threats. Look, I, I, I know you think this is a concealed weapon here of mass destruction. Now, that was not that funny. That wasn't really appreciated right there. But anyway, but... Uh, you know, the reality is, listen, I don't like confrontation any more than anybody else does. And if you, if you see the example of the disciples in the Bible, you have to go to that gospel account. And I, I'm not, again, I'm not preaching on this aspect of the challenge uh, about, uh, of fears. But you look at the example of the, of the disciples and the centurion. And, and it's in the same chapter, but just two stories before you have a centurion where Jesus said he had great faith, and then the disciples, because they're out in a storm on the sea, and because of their fear, he said this, Jesus said, why, you have, why do you have such little, why are you so fearful and have little faith? So fearful, little faith. Again, as I said to you, fears bring spiritual paralysis to faith. And you say, well, I don't have any problem with fears. Well, then just keep, just keep setting out to do something for God with your life, and let God stretch your faith, and you're going to be challenged with them. You say, I don't really want to be challenged with them. Well, that's part of the journey. Jesus didn't say, put your crown on and shine and polish it while you're here. He said, take up your cross. Are y'all with me tonight, church? He didn't say, put your, this is not our crown-wearing days. These are our cross-bearing days. He didn't tell us to put our crowns on while we're here and shine them up for everybody. I don't know how much shine they're really going to have anyways at the judgment seat of Christ. Hello. 
we're going to give it all back to Jesus anyway. Who's worthy? But the reality is, while we're here, these are not our crown-wearing days. These are our cross-bearing days. And as long as we're robed in this flesh, what hits us right in the face is fears. Fear of failure. What if nobody shows up? What if we put 40,000 mail outs out, mail it out, put John and Roman's packets on the doors? What if nobody shows up? You know, that is a possibility. Look, we're not paying people to come. I don't have the money, first of all. You know, what if, you know, fear of failure, fear, fear of the unknown, fear of the known, <laughs> or what we think is the known, fear of being found out, whatever the different fears that we face, it's not by accident we find so many examples in God's word of instruction. Joshua 8.1, fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Judges 6.10, fear not the gods of the Amorites. Ruth 3.11, Boaz said unto Ruth, fear not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest. 1 Samuel 12, 20, Samuel said unto the people, fear not. 1 Samuel twenty two twenty three. David said to Abiathar, fear not. 2 Samuel 9, 7, I love that story about Mephibosheth. David said to Mephibosheth, fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness. 2 Samuel 17, 13, Elijah said to the widow woman, fear not. By the way, I know I'm going fast. If you want a copy of this after, I'll sell it to you for a quarter. Uh, it's a good day today, so I'll sell them for a quarter, amen. I know I'm, I'm not trying to just hurry through the scriptures. Are you getting the picture tonight? 2 Kings 6.16, 6, that's our text, fear not. 1 Chronicles 28.20, David said to Solomon, fear not. Isaiah 35 and verse 4, Isaiah 41 and verse 10, a handful of times in the book of Isaiah, fear not. Lamentations 3.57, God said to Jeremiah, fear not. Daniel, Daniel, what an amazing Bible character in God's word. Chapter 10 and verse 12 and verse 19, God said to Daniel, fear not. Matthew 28 and verse 5, the angel said to the woman, fear not. Luke 1, can't read my writing. Verse 13, I think. The angel said to Zacharias, fear not. Luke 1.30, the angel said to Mary, fear not. Luke 5.10, Jesus said to Simon Peter, fear not. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. Luke 8.50, Jesus said, fear not. Acts 27.24, Paul said, fear not. Revelation 1.17, let's turn there real quick. And just think about it, we're almost getting to the message. We're in the message, don't get nervous. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead and laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. I am the first and the last. Fear not. All through the Bible, we have examples. And I uh, really, I just gave, I, I didn't give you half of them. Why would God have to say it over and over and over again? Well, we live in a day and time where there's different terms that are used for fears, and then we're going to just give you four simple thoughts, observations from 2 Samuel, or from 2 Kings, about uh, taking confidence in the Lord, see God give you the victory in your life, whatever your situation is, whenever your fears come. But there are. There's an acrophobia, that's a fear of heights. We're going to open a confession booth here tonight. How many of you are afraid of heights? Well, honesty. Honesty is the best policy. All right. There is aerophobia, fear of flying. Some people will not be afraid of heights, but they're a fear of flying. My wife, this is her favorite, arithmophobia. Arithma. I, I love word studies, by the way. I'm, I like to study words. My wife is a math teacher. Arithmophobia is a fear of numbers. Every middle schooler has a fear of numbers. And uh, not all of them. 
And uh, my wife is a math teacher. Cacophobia is the fear of ugliness. I'm glad I've never had that problem, amen. <laughs> it's just a daily problem. It's not something that happens occasionally. Ephibophobia is a fear of teenagers. A lot of you leaders. <laughs> Daniel, God bless you, buddy. Just a Bible and Tylenol every day, man, does you good, amen. This is a favorite for a lot of Christians. Homiliophobia, homiletics, homilio. Homiliophobia is a fear of sermons. How many of you say, I didn't have that fear until I just started hearing you tonight? Okay, I see those hands there. I don't have my glasses on, but I see those hands everywhere. This is, this is going to sound crazy, but it's true. This is a word. Arachibuterophobia. Arachibuterophobia. It's a fear of peanut butter getting stuck to the roof of your mouth. <laughs> Look it up later. Don't do it during church. That'd be a sin. Don't pull your phone out. Arachibuterophobia. This one is, this is a real one. Nomophobia. Nomophobia. It's a fear of being without a smartphone. No mo, no mo. <laughs> and uh, I, I didn't make this up. My, my favorite, my favorite, and I know I'm being light for a minute and we'll get back into the message. Don't get nervous on me here. But my favorite is, this is a word, you can look it up later. The word is hippopotamonstrosis quipadelophobia. You say, say who? Huh? And uh, hippopotamonstrosis, hippopotamonstrosis quipadelophobia. It is the fear of long words. True, true, true statement. I think it's 40-something letters long. I have it here written in tongues here in my Bible, amen. Hippopotamonstrosis quipadelophobia. I wasn't planning on preaching this tonight, so I hadn't studied beforehand like I should have. But you know, I, again, I was being a little light for a moment here, but the reality is that fears are not really funny, but they're very real. They're very real. And, um, you know, one of the reasons why we come to there's a guazillion reasons why we come to God's house on the Lord's day. But sometimes we, we come, we need to hear the preacher preach the word of God and encourage us to continue the mission. You know, our God's got this. We are on the winning team. Are we in the majority in, in the world? No, we're not. And we never have been. And we look, at, look up here, they, we never will be. Jesus is the one that said, broad is the way that leads to destruction, narrow is the way that leads to life everlasting. And few there be that find it. The issue is not that we need to get 51% Christians and 49% non-Christians. I'll tell you this, I, this, is a, this, is a very, this is a very powerful statement, but I'm, I'm personally burdened that most Christians are more bothered politically about our cities than they are burdened spiritually. Did you hear that? That's, that's, that's a striking statement. Most Christians are more bothered politically than they are burdened spiritually. And you know how I know that? Because wait till election time comes. And all the Christians get ticked off again because we don't win elections or Republicans or whatever don't win because the big cities override the rest of the state. By the way, that is a true statement that they do. You know why they do? Because they're more lost and more away from God. They're more carnal, however you want to word it. Well, that means they need the Lord. And again, but, but my point though is that the reality is that these are, we, we recognize the fact that we're not here to, we want everybody to be saved. By the way, Jesus wants everybody to be saved. Look up here. Jesus died for everyone. Everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Don't ever try to redefine that word. That word, word, world means everybody. Jesus died for everybody. Everybody. Red and yellow, black and white, no matter how, what their, their, uh, their financial status is, color of their skin, whatever it might be, Jesus died for everybody. You believe that, right? 
We're not, we're not gaining ground. We understand that. But can revival still happen? The answer to that question is yes, absolutely yes. And it may be a small little town. It may be right here. It may be Providence. It may be Trenton, New Jersey. It may be somewhere else in a, in a holler somewhere. But revival still can happen. And souls can still be saved, right? And so the, the, the hope and prayer is that God will encourage us tonight to stay in the battle and find your confidence in Christ. Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. You know why? Because we don't have, per se, angels, uh, chariots, of horses, uh, chariots of fire and horses and an army around us. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. We are on God's team. You know one of the things I remind myself of when I feel like, when, that, you know, and by the way, you take it to the bank. If it's just you against the devil, he'll chew you up and spit you out. But it's not just you against the devil. You have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. You and I have the wherewithal to be victorious, to do everything that God wants us to do. And so can I encourage you as we go back to our text here in 2 Kings for just a few moments tonight, and then we'll be done. Number one, I would suggest to you to see the Lord's power. See the Lord's power. Look at verses 17 and 18 again. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountains were full, what the mountain, excuse me, was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. When they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Now, we understand as we have the full, complete canon here of God's precious holy word as the New Testament church, that it's not so much that we see it happen on that fashion, but we've got to believe that the power of God still works just as much as today as it did in Elisha's day. Again, you say, well, I, I've never seen anything like that happen. Well, God, let's not get nervous about this, or we don't need to do a, a study right now on this, but it's, we understand that God worked in a different fashion, if you please, uh, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people and departed people in the Old Testament. Do you understand that? It's not that God changed his mind. That's the way God did it before Jesus came. This is the way God does it after Jesus came. Are y'all with me on that? There's no, there's no confusion there. But what we do now is that same power is available because Jesus said in Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive what? Power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. So what we're reminded of, and I hope this will help you tonight, what we're reminded of is we see the world the way it is, we're reminded that our responsibility is to get the gospel to everybody we possibly can. And with his power, we still can do that. It might be uh, that uh, the day will come here in America where what, what, what's preached behind this pulpit, that preachers will be put in prison for what they say behind this pulpit. That's probably going to happen uh, in the next generation of Jesus Terry's is coming. Are y'all with me? Do you understand? That's probably going to happen. I don't wish it. Oh, look, I've got grandkids, and grandkids are so much better than kids. I used to hear that when I, was a young, when I was a young dad. I hated hearing it, but now I love saying it. We've got seven grandkids, and that's why they're, they're called grandkids, because they're grand, amen? And yes, you can send them back whenever you want to, amen? But we got seven of them now, and man, we're just loving it, living large and loving it, and I definitely am living large, amen? And uh, but, you know, the reality is, is that that power, that Elisha, the same power, the same powerful God is available today for this matter of you and I getting the gospel to the lost. Don't get sidetracked with the cares and the affairs of this world. 
recognize it, deal with it, work through things, but don't get sidetracked. Be reminded that the greatest reason why he left you here after he saved you was to tell somebody else about him. Are y'all with me, church? And we, we need to be reminded of that because we need to be reminded of what we need the power for. We need his power to be victorious over sin in our lives. We need his power to be an effective and a bold witness for Christ. We need his power that this lost world will see that our Jesus is different. He does bring about change. Some may not like it. And uh, certainly we're facing more and more an attack on that. There's a, a tent meeting in the Boston Common every summer. Pastor Gary Corbin has it every summer. And I was there when the, after the first time that the, they had a, a cake celebration on the steps of the city, um, the, the state capitol there, on the, right there by the Boston Common. As they were uh, braggadocious about it when, when um, same-sex marriage, this is going back now 10 or 15 years ago, I think, uh, was, was allowed and permissible in the state of Massachusetts. Boy, we understand Pete, things are moving further and further to the left. But even though that's happening, we have the same powerful God available at our disposal. See the Lord's power. That's what the servant needed to see. That's what Elijah saw. See the Lord's power demonstrated. Be reminded that that's what you need to be victorious. His power. And I hope that'll help you. See the Lord's power. Number two, see the Lord's plan. You know, for everything where God has a plan, Satan has a counterfeit. A counterfeit that looks so much like the real thing. I grew up in New York, and as I mentioned to you, and oh, probably 15 or 20 years ago, one of my preacher friends wanted me to go to New York City to Chinatown to get two Rolex watches. How many of you know what a Rolex watch is? Now, the real thing, I don't know if I've actually ever seen a real thing. Looking at some of the millionaires in this room, I might want to check out your watch after the service. But, 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 but do you understand when I buy it in Chinatown, or when I used to, things have changed there now, amen, I'll tell you that story in a minute. But, um, but that's not the real thing. But, 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 but there's the real Rolex, and there's that secondhand moves just as smooth as butter. But you can go to uh, places and get yourself a Rolex for about 30 or 40 or 50 bucks. Now look, it says Rolex on it. I have one. I have two of them, actually. I'll sell them to you dirt cheap for 100 bucks. That's my final offer uh, after the service. I don't have them with me right now. But I went, so my preacher friend said, would you get me, to, I want to give one as a prank to one of my preacher friends. And so I went to Chinatown. This is about 10 or 15 years ago. And, um, and this is when it, it was, they were a little bit easier to get. And so I go to this one store. He said, no, we don't have any Rolex. And I said, I just need a couple of them. So he pulls up a piece of paper and he looks at a phone number underneath the piece of paper and he calls his phone number. And he's speaking in some other language. He said, okay, meet this person in the back alley over here. A true story. How many of you get nervous when a preacher says true story? <laughs> I, I would too, but you can trust me because I'm from New York. Anyway, so, so he said, go to this back alley. So I go to this back alley over here and this lady meets me with her baby carriage and there's not a baby in the baby carriage. There's like a fake baby there. So I'm getting a little bit nervous now, you know. I mean, I'm going to have to practice my Kenpo Taekwondo, you know, a little bit of my karate. And my, I didn't want to impress her in my skills there. But anyway, so she showed me her Rolex. She said, uh, $35. I said, no, she said $50. I said, no, I don't have $50, you know. I brought it down a little bit, amen. Bought myself two Rolexes. But that has nothing to do with anything except, boy, it looks like the real thing. It says Rolex. It looks gold and it's got some, boy, it just looks beautiful. But you know, it's not the real thing. It's a fake. And you know what I've learned is that the devil has a, a counterfeit for anything that God offers. Yeah. And I'm, I'm concerned, I don't want to use the word afraid because we're talking about fear not, amen. 
But I'm concerned that we are settling for second best. We're settling for the devil's substitute. Say, what do you mean by that? We can apply that to a lot of areas. We're settling. You know why? And let me just tell you this. In a general way, there's something about us that just gets tired of fighting sometimes. Now, I'm not encouraging you to leave here angry and growling at everybody. Don't do that. But listen, you've been battling for a little while. You get a little tired of fighting. And I don't know if somebody here tonight needs to be encouraged to get back into the battle. Or stay in the battle. And again, I don't mean be arrogant or be belligerent toward people. I don't mean that at all. We need to possess the gentleness of Christ. I'm not talking about being offensive and punching our chest, fellas, because we want a verbal argument with somebody. That's nonsense. I'm saying, though, that I'm concerned that many times we just, we get into this coast mode. We've been fighting long enough. Look up here, church. I'm here to lovingly, I'm your friend. I'm here to come alongside and say to you, we need you in the trenches with us. We need to keep fighting for the Lord. Don't quit praying for your children. Are you listening to me? Don't quit praying for them. Don't quit being a good testimony to them. Boy, I know it. We're, we're praying. What burden? Maybe a relative, maybe children, grandchildren, a, a brother, a sister, parents. They're away from the Lord or they're lost. Hey, don't quit praying. And don't settle for second rate. Don't settle for mediocrity. You remember the day when you wanted so desperately to be a soul winner for Christ? Do you remember that day? Do you remember when you wanted so desperately to be somebody that would sow the seed of the gospel and had the privilege to see somebody else say, I want to know that Christ is my Savior. And you wanted to serve in the Sunday school and you wanted to serve in soul winning and, or whatever it is, fill in the blank. Don't lose that passion to be a servant for Christ. Don't settle for being in coast mode in the church. Don't settle for it. Stay in the trenches. I don't know who you are. I love this church. I'm just a friend coming alongside. I'm just asking the Holy Spirit to lead me tonight. Stay in the trenches. We need you. We need everybody. All hands on deck. I'm not talking about you doing what God wants somebody else to do. I'm talking about you doing what God wants you to do. See the Lord's power. See the Lord's plan. Don't settle for the devil's counterfeits in his second rate, which second rate's no rate. Number three, see the Lord's promises. What the Lord said to the man of God... He shared with his servant and he followed him. He trusted, not, not just trusting a man. The Bible says it's better to put confidence in the Lord. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. We also find that Paul said, I believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, but whoever wrote it, they said, remember them who have rule over you and whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation. See the Lord's promises. That's why you're here tonight, because you want to hear what, what thus saith the Lord tonight from his word. Trust his promises. Claim his promises. When old stinking smutty face comes along my way or he tries to cause me to fear with circumstances, I'm claiming a promise. When I worked in the Bible college, we had a, a man, he was a good godly Christian layman. He was not a pastor. He came and spoke at the graduation one year. And he said to those graduates, he said, you ought to be able to rattle off easily 100 promises from God's word. And I was moved by that. Now, it's not an issue. There's no one in the Bible that says, thou shalt know a hundred promises. But hey, let me tell you, the answer to your fears is to trust God and his word. And so you better pack your arsenal. You better pack your spiritual gun with as many promises from God's word as you can. Because when the, when the circumstances and the trials and the storms come, the only way you better combat that is by the precious word of God and the Holy Spirit that indwells you. 
See the Lord's promises. Claim his promises. Look, we've got some, we've got mental gymnastics going on. We've got mental challenges. I don't mean like mental, like serious mental issues. I'm talking about the mind just struggling with fears and worries. And it's not just the issue of just putting a smile on and acting like everything's good. I've never endorsed this attitude, this philosophy, fake it till you make it. You don't have to fake anything. You can be going through trials and still count it all joy. By the way, in James chapter 1, that is a determining factor of whether you're really being faithful through your trials. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience, and the patience ever... I'm going backwards in the verses instead of forwards. My brethren, count it all joy when, not after. I'm starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. You don't need the light at the end of the tunnel. You need the light while you're in the tunnel. And you get the light in the tunnel because you trust his word. You claim his promises. So that's where the truth comes in. I'm packing my gun. 54 years old, church. I am more in my Bible than I've ever been in my life. Ever. Ever. Not because I need another sermon. You can tell I need a few better ones. Y'all pray for me. Amen. But I'm in my Bible every day because John Barnes is a a sinner saved by grace. I'm robed in his stinking flesh, and there's no excuse. I ought to be victorious, but as Paul said, I know that in me that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And the only way I'm going to make it on Monday is not just because I was in church on Sunday, but because Monday morning I opened this precious book, and I'm saying, God, feed me. Job said, neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job 23, 12, look it up later, or Job 23, 10. It's either one of those. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you like to eat because it doesn't matter whether you raise your hand or not. You do like to eat because so do I. And since I do, you do too. <laughs> no, we, we like to eat. We need to eat occasionally. But Job said, I'm esteeming his words more than my necessary food. See the Lord's promises. And last, see the Lord's provision. Look at verse 23. And you go on in the story here. It's really, it's a neat story in the Bible. And there's just great application here. And God always does it because God is always faithful. Verse 23, and he prepared great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. You don't see the Lord's provision unless you step out by faith. How many times? You ever seen that little cartoon? These two guys are digging underground. It's hard for you to picture it if you've never seen it, but they're digging underground. They're almost to the to the to getting breaking through on the other side. And this one guy quit and he was almost there. And the other guy kept digging and he made it. But this one was almost there. He put the shovel down and he turned back. And how many times were people just about there? And again, I don't mean we need to live our lives just saying, I can't wait till I get to this problem. Once I do, then things are going to be so much better in my life. Don't try to, I'm not being inappropriate here, but don't try to play God. Don't try to play God. He knows exactly what he's doing in your life. I don't like trials any more than you do. But what I do know is we don't see his provision. I think one of the most misunderstood and misappropriated verses in the Bible is Philippians 4.19. Where the Bible says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's true that God has all the riches and he is He never had us a shortage on enough stuff for everybody. 
But it's wrong for anybody to just pick that verse as carte blanche and apply that to their lives. That verse is for those that are being faithful to the Lord in their giving. Check it out in Philippians chapter 4. That's not a carte blanche. Yeah, you know, God's going to take care of me. Yeah, God will take care of you if you live in obedience, and so do I. That's not a carte blanche. No, he'll, he'll take care of everything. While, while I'm what? While I'm, I'm giving him second rate, I'm not giving him first fruits. He's willing to do it, but he won't do it if we're not, we're not doing things his way. And we're not going to do that unless we see the Lord's power, see the Lord's plan. The plan for the gospel crusades, I believe God's given us the pattern of the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. He just went from to towns and cities and he preached Christ. And then souls got saved and the churches were started. And I'm moved by this and Paul said to Titus, ordain elders in every city. We have no idea how many churches were started. Would you pray with me? I don't want to finish on a personal prayer here, but would you pray with me that God will raise up some more Apostle Pauls in America? I heard it this morning, and I'm all for this. A young man who I just met got up this morning and said, God's calling my wife and I to South Korea. And I love it. And I've, I just met them, and I already grow to love this couple, the Delaney's, sweet young couple, going to South Korea with the gospel. They have a little boy, and they're expecting their second child here real soon. Sweet couple. I just met him. And what he said in his testimony was, we're going to go work under a national, we're going to go start a church, and then we're going to go somewhere else a couple years later, and we're going to go start another church. And I am all for that. We need some of that in America, too. I understand our culture doesn't accept that. I'm just not really interested in the culture determining that we follow a biblical pattern. We need the goers and stayers like a Jim Townsley, like a Marty Schott, like a David Bolka, like a Thomas Michael in Boston. And we can go on and on. But we also need Pauls to go from city to city. Would you pray for more Apostle Pauls? In America. By the way, that's one of the few things Jesus said to pray for specifically was pray for laborers. Pray for laborers. Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Live on the victory side this week. Your circumstances may not say so, but your circumstances don't dic dictate your joy. Christ does. Y'all with me? Christ does. And is he still all I need? Christ is all I need. All, all, all I need. Christ is all I need. Christ is all I need. All, all I need. Father, thank you, Lord, for the hour. Thank you for this church, the testimony. Thank you for these, their faithfulness tonight. And Lord, I pray you continue to bless this church. Lord, I don't know how any or all would have needed this, this truth tonight, but this is what you put on my heart, Lord, to preach and and I were never once say anything offensive, Lord. But as my preacher said when I was just a teenager, Lord, I don't want to offend your children, but more than that, I don't want to compromise your word. And God, I pray that the message has been received in love, and I've, I've endeavored to preach it in love. But Lord, more than anything, you know what each that are here needed, and, and you know, Holy Spirit, how you need to speak and desire to speak to our hearts. And, I don't know who, Lord, has been spiritually crippled by fear recently. Or it may knock on their door this week, Lord, and none of us are uh, finding any great delight in, in entering into it, but it is a necessary ingredient, this matter of trials. But, Lord, I pray that there still would be a, a passion, a passion in people's hearts, Lord, to, to see you use them in a big way, Lord. We know that that doesn't always, isn't quantified by numbers, but... 
Lord, I don't, I don't, I don't wouldn't want to live life without knowing that you are in control and you're doing something in my life and through my life in a great way for your glory. I think each here would understand that desire that we should have, that we may know you and the power of your resurrection. And God, would you take this church to even greater heights, Lord, as these that maybe have been in the trenches and maybe new ones that are here, Lord, would stay in the trenches for you, Lord, and count for Christ and do what they can, Lord, that, we, that we'd not cut back or slack off, Lord, and we understand as we get older, maybe some things we can't do like we used to. We understand that. But Lord, may they not, may they not lose a fire, a fire in their heart, Lord, maybe to remember the times when we knelt at an altar or we wept over a sinner to be saved. We wept for a backslidden one to come back to God. We wept, Lord, to just beg and plead with you to use us and bless our families. Oh, Lord, bring us back to that place. Bring us back to Bethel, Lord, if you need to. Remind us, Lord, of that passion, not to lose that fire, Lord, to see you do great things, Lord. I don't want you to pass through Trenton and not do mighty works because of our unbelief. I don't think these people want you to pass through New Hartford and not do mighty works as Jesus, you said, because of unbelief. Oh, may you revive a great faith, Lord, in your church here tonight. Encourage us, Lord, to stay in the battle, not to fear, but to live by faith and have confidence in Christ as we go through this week. In Jesus' name, amen.